Welcome to the Baker Tilly U.S. podcast, an online community developed to connect you to our partners and leaders across the globe. Subscribe today to continue discovering new and unique ways that Baker Tilly can help enhance or protect your value as we discuss timely, relevant, and impactful topics. Our current series is being led by Chris Anderson, Managing Partner at Baker Tilly. Recognizing that the coronavirus is affecting businesses and organizations regardless of industry size or geography, Chris will be talking to various Baker Tilly practice group leaders about practical guidance to help them through the next few weeks and how they can prepare their businesses and employees to come back strong in the future. Let's get started. My name is Raina Rose Tegel. I'm a partner with Baker Tilly and for 25 plus years, my focus has been around governance, risk management, compliance, and cybersecurity. And it's all about what can go wrong in an organization and how do you make sure that it doesn't, I would say would be the common theme of the services that I uh, work with our teams here at Baker Tilly to provide. Well, so given that in ERM right now, and it's just a little bit of the perfect storm, right? I would imagine you're right in the middle of understanding either existing execution of ERM plans that were out there, organizations that didn't have one, what are you seeing out in the market right now? Well, it's, it's probably good to start with just the question of what do we mean when we say enterprise risk management? And so organizations always, and especially now in this environment, are addressing risk every moment of every day. And if they weren't addressing risk, probably they wouldn't be in business. So when we're talking about enterprise risk management, we're really talking about more of a formal approach to that, putting a wrapper around it so that the risk management activities that are occurring are more transparent and more clear to senior leaders and to boards of directors and trustees as well. And so that's really what we're talking about when we say enterprise risk management. And right now, I mean, this is anybody who had a formal program, uh, this is enterprise risk management come to life. The benefits could not be more clear at this moment. And I'll say that I would contrast organizations who already have a formal ERM program and what they're experiencing right now with organizations that had not quite maybe formalized their enterprise risk management. So if you have a formal enterprise risk management program, you're probably looking at having already addressed and identified your top risks facing the organization, identifying who owns those risks at an executive and a day-to-day risk manager level, and what are the major plans, policies, procedures, approaches that you already have in place to address each of those risks. And so even just the question of who's on first and who really owns a risk, and by own I mean who's on point for gathering everyone else who may come around a specific risk area and coordinating that um, on a real-time basis, that can be a hard question to address, especially in organizations that are decentralized or have operations across the world. And so what we're seeing is, for example, in business continuity planning. If business continuity was identified as a top risk facing an organization, you would know who owns that, who's coordinating, and who, with whom they should be coordinating across the entire enterprise in order to make real-time changes and, and move things forward. 
That's really, really hopeful. So, so just thinking a little bit about that, the overall ERM, and to your point, organizations are managing risk every day. What's your assessment of how many organizations were ready to deal with a pandemic scenario and things that come out of that? Well, certainly healthcare organizations would be well positioned just by their nature to think about these things. And by well positioned, obviously there's there's still a gap in terms of being ready for something quite of this magnitude. I think many other organizations, what we're seeing is they had thought about it, but they didn't really have the plans quite in place. And what we're also seeing though is on a real-time basis, I and mean, people are as ready as they can be at this moment. And the interesting thing when you think about this in an enterprise risk management context is the opportunity even now to kind of have parallel approaches. So risks are being addressed as they come up real time in this environment. But if you can take the time, just a little bit of extra time to also capture what you're doing and how that's working and who's on first, and later to take a look back and have kind of a lessons learned debrief, that enterprise risk management more formalized view will be that much further along to, to move ahead into the future. So if you had a plan and you're pivoting because maybe it, these were circumstances you hadn't planned for, or if you didn't have a plan, are there any guidelines you'd suggest for organizations to figure out how to take those first steps? It could be overwhelming and daunting. Are there some first best steps that they can take to try and get out ahead of this? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, in, in classic enterprise risk management, identifying your risks and assessing your risks are, are the first couple of steps that you would take. So you want to know what your major risks are that you face and then start to prioritize them. In this environment, that has been done for us. <laughs> it is clear, you know, what is right in front of us that is truly life and death. And so the priorities cannot be more clear at this moment. How do you survive as a business, as an organization? What does it take in order to do that? And so what we're advising organizations to consider is during this time, skip that risk assessment piece because you already know it's right there in front of you and jump to capturing that understanding of for some of those top risks, be it global health emergency preparedness or business continuity planning or financial sustainability, have a way to capture real time. What is it that you're doing? Who's on first? How are those things being addressed? And, and that's what we would typically call the risk mitigation assessment phase of an enterprise risk management process. Um, you're in it right this minute. And so when you think about some of the supporting uh, parts of an organization that kind of help enterprise risk management become more formal, um, parts of the organization like an internal audit program. Well, it's a tough time for internal audit right now to think about how to add value when the world is changing so quickly. But one of the ways that internal audit could be impactful is to be that additional kind of run alongside player who can capture what's happening, um, get it laid out in a way that's meaningful and transparent, and also be um, a time really to help that be visible to the, your governing board. 
um, because boards right now are, are not necessarily hands-on. They're not on the inside of the organization, and it's hard for them to know what's happening. And if you're the senior leadership team, you may not have time to tell them what's happening. And so how do you build that bridge so that it becomes more clear? And, and that's an opportunity as you're getting all this laid out to have a way to kind of funnel that information. And, and that is one possible way for internal audit to be useful during this time period is to capture that and um, kind of package it in a way that can be more easily shared and visible. What a great opportunity to, as, as you said, you know, internal audit within the organization in a new world, trying to understand how to drive some of the value in, in, in a very meaningful way. Um, yeah. So, you know, back up a little bit for me, you know, who would be a group that would be managing this inside of an organization? Maybe it was already determined in your ERM program, but if not, what are the key stakeholders that you might pull together in your organization to think through kind of, what is this? What is our response going to be? Who should be engaged? Do you have some thoughts on key stakeholders that are under the tent in that group? Yeah. Are, Chris, are you talking about COVID-19 response or are you talking about enterprise risk management kind of formalizing that or both? <laughs> That's a great question. I was thinking about both. I, I was thinking about, you know, overall okay. ERM and then in the current scenario where we're all kind of in the middle of disaster planning, right? You and I are both business owners here. We're executing our own disaster response program in, in, as part of our overall ERM. Right. So all hands on deck for sure in this type of an environment. And actually, when you're thinking about formalizing enterprise risk management, it's not just a financial perspective. It's not just an operational perspective or a compliance perspective, but you need that strategic view as well. So I think that uh, what's happening right now, what we're seeing with COVID-19 response is it is your senior leadership team. And sometimes the response kind of day to day, you need someone on point. It's often a chief risk officer. It could be a chief operating officer, but you need, and, and it could be your, your CEO and, and it's going to be kind of all of the above in some circumstances, but you need all of the different perspectives at the table. And I think it does provide a parallel to the most effective enterprise risk management is going to have those key perspectives at the table as well. And you, and you always want to think about how are you involving general counsel? How are you involving um, corporate compliance or institutional compliance? And how are you involving your internal audit capability? Because those, while um, those parts of the organization are not providing hands-on day-to-day decision-making, they're advising and they're seeing things from a perspective of risk. And so you definitely want those perspectives at the table as well during a time like this and really during a normal time as well. Right. So many people from different, different lenses are engaged, obviously. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it does impact every side, every angle of the organization. So having them all there, that does make, make a lot of sense. Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind as I hear you talk about kind of a, a well-laid-out plan and then how you would execute it, now that organizations are in execution mode, they're in, you know, they have an ERM plan, they had a mediation plan in the event of a, of a, a disaster event such as this, where are they finding guidance or feedback or 
connecting in with others that are going through the same thing right now. What are you seeing out there as sharing of best practices or ways for individuals to connect with other like, like organizations? So it's a time when people feel like they could be on an island, but in fact need that sense of community and connectivity even more. And the idea of competition falls to the wayside in some ways because the competition we have right now is with ourselves and with the environment and, you know, being able to keep things moving forward. So we are seeing roles, um, similar roles across similar organizations come together in an informal way. I'll give a couple of examples. Um, Lots of, you know, conferences have been canceled and ways that people typically would connect with peers and get ideas about best practices. We're seeing and, and we're actually facilitating some of those, you know, being replaced by virtual knowledge sharing exchanges. So bringing people in a similar role together periodically. Um, virtual happy hours seem to be quite popular these days as a way to kind of get a break and also just have a more relaxed way among, you know, five or 10 colleagues of a similar role to share what's happening and share ideas, share best practices, share thoughts. Um, And we're seeing that across chief financial officers. We're seeing it with general counsel, with chief audit executives and and others. Um, There's never been a time when getting that information exchange has been more useful. And we're also seeing, you know, the major sources of information and guidance and advice be upheld during this critical time. So um, so industry associations, um, advisors like Baker Tilly are still really churning out thoughts and ideas and perspectives to try to be helpful during a time when everyone is just really seeking out knowledge to try to figure out how to move forward. Yeah, yeah. So... I do think the I have it's like crowdsourcing ideas, right? Being able right. to connect with some individuals that are going through even the best laid out plan, going through unusual things for the first time. Um, right. The more we can find those connections to help make that and to help Baker Tilly, I think we'll all be stronger together as we're as we're bringing bringing individuals together. So um, right. you're a you're a business owner, a business leader. Uh, your organization is is struggling to understand all of the different uh, impacts of the the current uh, environment on us. Where would you suggest they start if if they're if they understand to your point what the risk is already? Um, any evident any suggestions for them on just checklists of things to think about immediately so that they've got the full landscape in mind? Yeah, I, I think it starts with operational um, sustainability and operational readiness. So it's about thinking about your critical, um, really mission critical processes and how you approach the marketplace and evaluating one by one. Is this something we can keep doing today the way we do it? Is there something we need to do differently? And really being creative and nimble to figure out what that looks like um, into the future. But I think also starting as soon as possible, not only to think about what's right in front of us in this current environment, but different types of scenario plans. And you know, what are the levers that may shift and how would we respond if 
this happens or that happens in the market, within our workforce, really thinking about the ability to do the work that you do without all the people that you have today. So thinking about continuity plans, not only from a business-wide perspective, but from an individual perspective as well. And one of the things that we've seen as a really strong practice is asking literally everyone in the organization, from top executives through to administrative personnel, to document individual continuity plans. And the thing that that can really do is it helps people stay focused on what they can accomplish today. It's really kind of a snapshot of their current job. And in this environment, sometimes with all the noise, it's hard to stay focused on you know, what's right in front of you and being productive. But it's also a chance to connect the dots, to look for ways to optimize and, you know, Hopefully it wouldn't come to this, but to be ready if someone needs to step out of their job. So those plan in, in the case of illness or, um, you know, sustainability measures or for whatever reason. And so um, looking at you know, what are all the current responsibilities of that individual? What are the resources that back those up? You know, um, specific plans and so forth. And the most important part and the part that usually isn't documented is who else in the organization is already involved in those activities so that you at least when you're needing to continue something in the absence of an individual one or more that you know who else may know something about what that individual has in flight and be able to pick it up from there. Yes, so trying to make sure that there's backup, that's all a great, and that is something maybe a little overwhelming right now, but people can be doing still now. Is that your advice? Right. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, you know thinking a little bit about your, your experience, is there an organization that could be too small for this, too, you know, too large? Um, what are your thoughts on, does this apply to everyone? Yeah, well, when we think about enterprise risk management, you might think, oh, that's something, you know, that takes a lot of resources, that's super formal, it's only for the biggest companies, but actually we see that being a view that is helpful for the smallest businesses, and of course, up through the largest multinational corporations, and it's really scalable. So this is, like I said at the beginning, not about doing more or different necessarily. It's just about putting a wrapper around it to make what's happening from a risk management perspective more transparent and more clear and more thoughtful. And it also allows the people who should be making decisions about accepting risk the opportunity to do so. So you really want your business owners and your governing bodies to be the ones to decide, are we doing enough? Are we doing too much? Do we need to apply more resources? Can we pull back? And oftentimes in the absence of that formality around looking at how risks are being addressed, those choices are being made at much lower levels. And often they're being made um, in a more conservative way than may be necessary. So risks may be over addressed and overcompensated for, and it could slow things down. It's not just about adding more and more and more risk mitigation approaches. That's an interesting point because it's got to stay aligned with the overall strategy. What are you trying to accomplish? And if those decisions are delegated down too far, it likely is hard to keep the forest for the trees perspective in regards to what you're trying to accomplish. 
Well, I'm really glad you you raised that point about strategy because when thinking about enterprise risk management, it's best done in the context of strategy. What are your strategic priorities? What risks could stand in the way of progress? And how are those risks being addressed? So it's not just about identifying risk in a vacuum. It's about looking at what could stand in the way of our achieving our objectives? What could stand in the way of our taking advantage of the opportunities that we face? And how do you prepare yourselves to be nimble and agile and purposeful in addressing those risks and opportunities? It's also not just about the downside of risk. It's hard right now in the COVID-19 environment to think about anything but the downside of risk. But what are the opportunities that the environment at any point in time really presents and how can we purposely position ourselves to take advantage of those opportunities in the marketplace by knowing who's going to take the lead and who's going to come together around those questions and being very purposeful about addressing them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. You've, you've given me kind of a a nice, um, I just can envision it doesn't have to be on fire all the time. You can have a plan. You can, you can keep moving. And, and sometimes when you're in the middle of the firefights, you forget that there's a, an overwhelming or overarching goal that we're all trying to accomplish. And, and the, the message that you're sharing here, I think, really helps resonate around take a breath. Um, right. You know, move quickly, but don't hurry was, was one, of the, uh, one of our colleagues shared that with me earlier. Right. And it resonates, right? You got to act fast, but make sure you're looking at what decisions you're making and the overarching impact. And it seems to apply very much so with ERM overall and the application of your overall ERM structure to, uh, you know, disaster response such as this. And make sure you have the right people in the room as those decisions are being made expeditiously. It's not just about being fast. It's about being accurate. That's a good, that's a good reminder. Yeah. Raina, thanks so much for taking the time. Is there anything else that you think would be helpful for colleagues or for our for our audiences to be thinking about overall from ERM and then even how they're applying it right now? Well, I think I think with enterprise risk management, as with many different business practices, it's not necessary to over-engineer it. You really want to customize it to fit your organization, your culture and the business processes that you already have in place. It's not necessary to add 27 more meetings a day in order to accomplish something. It's more about looking at how do we come together already? How do we work together already? And how do we shape that additional perspective that we need to gain around those types of of interactions that are already occurring? And I, I think that's true for enterprise risk management. I think it's true for a emergency environment decision-making process, bringing the right people together and making sure that all of the information is considered that it's necessary. Um, Just a methodical approach is important, but there's no one right way to get from point A to point B. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for your time. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. You take care of yourself. All right. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. To receive notification when new episodes become available, please subscribe to Baker Tilly US wherever you get your podcast.